0: Hey, and welcome back to TransVox, and with me, um, Joseph Howard is back, and uh, JoJo, if you remember, earlier in the year, did an episode with us introducing their work and their life and such like, uh, as part of becoming a trustee, sorry, as part of becoming a patron of the charity Beyond Reflections that we support, and uh, it's a joy to have him back here today. I know he's in the middle of some torrid times, (laughs) but showing amazing (laughs) resilience despite the voodoo doll, so first of all, welcome back, Joseph, how are you?
1: Hello, I'm really good, thank you. Yes, that's so funny. While well, we were gossiping a little bit before the episode started, just because I've had a, a calamity week where f- my phone was stolen and I have to have I've had all these tech issues, power cuts. Oh my god, it's just been disastrous. But today we are fine and excited to chat. <laughs> so, so when you've had all these things happen to you, what's mm.
0: your what's your strategy for keeping going for? Um, you know, for actually facing the world. what What, what is it you do? Vodka. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no, I... To be honest, like, there's so much stuff that's happened to me, like, in the past that have been so, like, bizarre that I just... I think you get to that sort of resilient stage of your life, you're just like, OK, I can deal with this. It's really demotivating, I think, like, because I broke my foot in March earlier in the year and I've never broken a bone in my body, ever. I've had, like, a little crack in my rib and things. Um, but, no, I just... I can't bear giving up. And I think when I have like a challenge, it makes me even more determined to get things done. But sometimes I think, because we're so reliant on tech and all my stuff was got, like everything was stored on my phone. Um, I had a backup, but I didn't have like a proper access to the backup. So I was freaking out for a minute, but then I was like, okay, what we can do is next time we'll put everything on a hard drive. So there's a, a backup with the backup and then just ensure things. It just, you just learn from these things, don't you? To be more more in the ball <laughs> and i think that's really good advice actually i'm not just writing this down now
0: i've never actually checked whether my phone's backed up and especially these days when you've got credit cards and all sorts of other gubbins on things it's really um it's really scary i, I don't know actually what to do if i lost my phone or it was stolen i mean oh. I, know, I know you can do you know find your phone and uh you can do you can delete all your content but uh um, well
1: there's, there's so many issues because the the second activation thing with the passwords you know when you, you log mm. into something you have to have your phone available to get into it yes like especially for banks or for i've got the um double locks and all my social media accounts i had like my um ex-relationship we had our business together and one of the emails he changed without thinking and it completely locked me out of accessing our podcast info so i couldn't do some updates to my podcast. So it's like all of these things are so hyper locked that if you lose your number, it is a disaster. I remember before um, I had my phone number change when I upgraded my phone and I couldn't get into my old emails because my old email were affiliated with the past number. So it took me forever. I had to keep on trying to guess the password, trying to reset things. It was like, oh my God, these are like, there needs to be some way of sorting this all out because it's got such like embedded, it's like a huge ball of wool and you like one strings connects to this bit. It's like, oh my God. But yes, we're way too reliant on these things. We've got to do balance it off with a bit of like um, non-reliance on these. And things. It, and it's funny, you know,
0: when I go on holiday, I do things like that. You know, I have everything written down on a piece of paper, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I remember someone saying to me, "What happens if that piece of paper gets stolen?" And I said, "I'm not worried about that. What I'm more worried about is losing my phone, because yeah. actually, everything on the piece of paper is what I need to cope with the what might happen if the phone was gone." But I'm just thinking, i have not, I've not updated that for ages. You know and uh so thank you cautionary tale planning is the secret to resilience isn't it as well as everything else
1: yeah. it's so funny you mentioned writing things down because i haven't written things down with a pen for ages and like i i tried to sign for something in my chemist when you have to sign for your prescription and yeah. i was like my god my handwriting's gone terrible <laughs> <laughs> because i don't write so so much by hand anymore oh yeah. my god
0: Anyway. You see, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real fan of writing, writing on paper with pens and things. I like I like pens. And there's all this research now about how people um, find it really. Actually, they find that learning doesn't stick when you consume it from the internet. So actually, That's the way to learn so is to read, you know, physical books, especially nonfiction, and write things down on pen and paper because it's about using all five senses, isn't it? It's fascinating. Yes
1: yes I it's so so true like when you write something down like with a pen it just into it burns it into your memory in a way that typing it does not and it's it's so funny when you read books because I I try and do books like, I'm always trying to read books because it's like something that I used to love to do now mm. it's like not the same because I think everything's digital but like reading something on like on a kindle or on your ipad it's just like what the hell I could consume them so quickly and I'm like yeah i even enjoy this i didn't even think i enjoyed it i used to love like i was a bookworm. i loved reading books but
0: yes <laughs> it's it's funny on kindles isn't it especially because i love fiction and i don't very rarely i know i'm on holiday because i'm reading fiction and when i'm on holiday i read is when i read my fiction yeah. and i was i sat down and i was i was reading this book and i was three quarter. i must have been nearly three quarters of the way through and i suddenly thought I have a feeling I know what this is going to turn out like. And I got to the end I thought, I've actually read this before, but I sort of had really limited recollection of it. So it's quite bizarre. So, mm. you know, paperback paperback books are going to come back into my life, I think.
1: Absolutely. Well, I this is a weird topic, but I'll ask your opinion about it because it's kind of connected to what I was doing this week. But I'm working on this like mini project because my management want me to do a book. And... I've been asked to do a bit before many, many times because when I was younger, I was approached to do a book deal that was about my life. And when uh, I don't know if you know or if we spoke about this last time, but there's a West End show called Everyone's Talking About Jamie that's become mm-hmm. a film, and it was by um, Jenny Popplewell. There was a documentary on the BBC originally, but she wanted to do that on me, and it was it, I was contented about doing it as a series because at the time I wasn't really engaging in doing anything TV work about me. I thought it was a bit sort of vacuous at the time because I didn't think I did anything. And like, that what they wanted to do was do like this book that was gonna be converted into a story like everyone's talking about Jamie, but about me. And I just thought this is so ridiculous. I can't write an autobiography about it. Like it, I haven't lived life yet. This is just stupid. And I was thinking like, maybe I could write something that's like a fiction book. And like, I was thinking oh. about like how people go about writing books because I've never done that. And my writing really is terrible. I'm no grammarian, but, I, I was working with like the idea of character designs. And I started to draw, cause I draw on my iPad now. I've got, um, funny enough, one of those pens, but it's on the screen. And I was then using AI to sort of blend it into a real sort of final image. And I was thinking yeah. like, oh my God, cause I started to design all these characters and I, I love coming up with character design. That's pretty much what I do with my makeup work. Yeah. And then I was starting to use these AI functions where that you input like a prompt and then they come back with all of this, pre-designed thing. And you look at it and you're like, what the hell, this is done like a full, proper illustration for me. And then you look up close, you're like, all these lines don't actually fit together. And mm-hmm. it's like this weird sort of like, you, it it appears on the surface like it's an actual image, but then you go back in and you're like, this has just been created by something else. It's actually inaccurate when you look up close. The lines don't quite work. The characters don't quite look the same. and um in a funny way to go about this what do you think about this ai prompt thing because as an artist it's like it's taking away all of those like mistakes that make the magic but it's also kind of like scary because it's yeah. making it's making things like art oh, so accessible like what do you think about that i i think that's fascinating
0: um i know jen and i talked about ai on a different po- podcast and it was it was it was really, i think there's two or three different things here one which is you know, I used to be a musician, and we used to have technology that came into music, and um, you know, we had digital technology, auto tune tuners, uh, generation of tunes, and such like. And and people said, "Oh, do you think that's the end of music?" But and what happened? It was the rise of a new s- stream of music. And yes. I wonder what will happen with AI is you'll have traditional art, traditional art and design and such, like, you know, almost by humans. And all AI is doing is taking the an aggregate of what else is out there. So I think there will be a whole branch of expertise around AI art. I think that's already happening in film, isn't it? You see these and, uh, and graphic design around games and things. You see s- specific people with really high skill levels in AI, but they don't do other things. So yes. I wonder if actually, whilst it's a threat, it's also one of those massive opportunities at the same time. And I've always, I've always thought there's always space in the world for hand-generated, authentic, human-created content and images. Because whilst you can't tell a lot of AI from the real thing, you sort of can at the same time. It's a bit like, a, <laughs> yes. it's like when you, you, know, you can sort of recognize a chat GPT article now because there's been a yes. lot out there you can sort of listen you can sort of listen to a piece of music that's been constructed by ai and you just think there's, it's good, it's good it's technically really interesting but it doesn't it doesn't sort of grab you
1: that's exactly right it's i i've been trying to struggle with this because they've especially on tiktok at the moment all the the creative kids have been using that ai voice recreation of yeah. like celebrities that have died and they're making them sing songs that are like current songs. And it's yeah. I the idea to me of hearing Michael Jackson sing songs is amazing because I'm a Michael Jackson super fan. But the idea that he's dead and it's happening without him being alive is yeah. was something that I was like, this is so weird. And I was watching Cher talk about it this week because someone had made and she's got this thing with Madonna. So I made her voice and and face animate to match the words of yeah. her singing a Madonna song and she was like horrified by it. And I was like, it's really It's really, there's a big issue around this and consent. And it's, I don't know if this intelligence is actually aware of the fact that they're being used without payment. And I know there's been so much, like, ethical um, questions around this, and I don't know what to think about it. It just, it reminded me about um, when we were talking at the beginning of this podcast about, like, tech and relying on tech. It's like, do we become, like, at such a point in life where all we think about is the sort of superficial stuff? Because everything that actually takes a little bit of work is going to be done automatically by this artificial intelligence. It's like, I just don't know if that's a good thing. I don't it's- think it's gonna-
0: it's fascin- it, it really is fascinating. I think um, if you have read Yuval Harari, and he yes. talks about Homo, homo de- um what's it called, Homo Deus or something, which is actually how we integrate with AI to become godlike creatures because we've, because the the AI, AI will take over. And it's interesting how much science fiction is about that, isn't it? The machines become more yes. intelligent enough to take us over. But all this, you know, goes back to a real interesting novel way right back in the nineteen twenties. I forget the name, but something. I think it was German, it was something called something like the hood. And it was this idea that you'd be able to put a hood on and you'd never have to get out of bed because the whole of your world would be generated by this hood. And it's like it's prescient, it's about virtual reality in, in a funny sort of way. And mm. uh, and it talked about actually that it was all these human beings who were being basically completely disempowered because they were born, they wore the hood and the rest of their lives, they just they never moved. And so they actually just became a brain wearing a hood.
1: And, yeah and, it's because and, and it's, and it's, of
0: course now you see how the matrix idea came about because that's sort of similar idea in a way isn't it
1: it is and skynet and, and terminator yeah. and all of them like it's it's like I, i'm fascinated with sci-fi because there's so much like that goes on in my brain that i can imagine that i'm just fascinated how other people imagine things but there is always this sort of like l- line that connects everyone's sort of imagination and it, it weirdly comes to be so many yeah like fiction becomes reality or reality comes fiction. It's it's strange, but I've noticed that like using TikTok because I wasn't really into using TikTok in the last four years because being um, in my industry um, I, because people just judge you on face value a lot of the times and they don't look into your past work they see someone that's colorful and they just think oh that's an influencer and the reality is I'm not an influencer and I've never really been an influencer online I, I'm a beauty expert and being a beauty expert on social media is very tricky today because you enter into conversations with some people in the beauty industry and they're not smart cookies without being shady and they just immediately infantilize you and when I was doing my um my consultation work and i was working with lots of these brands and trying to make the industry more inclusive i'd have to go through these gatekeepers that work in marketing that just saw me as an influencer and i deliberately stopped using all my social media to post content because i thought if i reduce the content i put out there and i just do things that are specifically about this work then people will see me a little bit more clearer and that was a struggle in itself But I didn't use TikTok. I wasn't using these new modern social medias and short form content. And I have become absolutely fascinated with how the sort of demographic that uses TikTok, now the lockdown's gone, because I think everyone was on it in the lockdown because we were all at home. Mm. Now people have gone back to work. The people that are left on TikTok are absolutely a social experiment. I don't know if you've seen the the whole nature of TikTok now, but people go live and, part of the process of going live is you can gift someone and that is like a digital currency and mm. they, they earn essentially about 30% of the value of the currency. You can buy things that are like 300 quid and they get hundred quid out of it. Mm. And it's it's completely and utterly amazing like what's been going on because these people, most of the people that are still on TikTok now are people that are still stuck at home or are unemployed. And I've been fascinated because TikTok is their hood It is their They And they're very negative. It's become very, very interesting. Like a lot of my friends just are like, we we don't even want to go on TikTok anymore because it's become such this crazed environment. But it's, I'm interested to think like, I think for so many people, social media has become their reality. There's so many people that are doing these live um, streams every single day that don't go to work, that don't appear to have a, a varied social life. And it's like, has TikTok started to become like that? Yeah. It's, cause it's just shocked me because I didn't really know about it. Now I'm like, oh, my God, this has gone crazy. <laughs> it is It is fascinating when you think about it because the, the roots of all this are, you know, are quite
0: fascinating because we're very influenced by visual imagery. We're very interested by the Internet because it sort of replicates our brain structure of all these nodes coming together and firing backwards and forwards and linking all these discontinuous but also related things. So it's that you know you like this, so you're bound to like that sort of thing, which mm-hmm. is you know how our brains sort of work as well. And also, what they do is they steer clear of things we like, and they're, they're you know are wired for extremes—the things we really like and the things we really hate. And it's actually quite hard to be inspired by the average and the dull and the bland. Mm-hmm. So you can see how you can see how this comes together. And I and I think you're right. I think there's a there's, it's almost a generational thing. There's a generational a generation of people who are who are coming out who are co- going into that. For the first time and actually they're living their entire lives almost online and in virtual in the virtual world and making a living out of it in some cases but mm-hmm. you also have people that are sort of unhooked from it as well yeah and and they, i mean they call it slow living don't they but all actually yeah. means that they're not on social media and they do things like this radical idea they go they go to into the country and have a walk and and they're <laughs> <laughs> and and they will go swimming. It's like a, it's like this. Hey, have you heard of this new experience? It's cold water swimming. Could you imagine that? I mean,
1: oh, that I like that so. far. that's what I want to do with my life. But I'm stuck in this job where I've got to do a mix of both. It's like I, I'd love to just completely run away with it because when I started on social media, it was so different. Like I remember mm-hmm. when um, YouTube was. The sort of like it wasn't commonplace, and even if you were working in like the fashion industry, which I started out in, they would say to you, Don't put your stuff on social media, it makes you look unprofessional, it makes you look like you're trying and not um successful at it. And I was like, No, there's something in this. If you can create an image or you can create a MySpace profile that's customized to you and shows your personality, that's a good thing. If, if they don't get it, they're gonna get it because it's gonna happen and it did but YouTube wasn't arranged like this like they yeah. started to arrange it to provoke interaction around 2015 and in 2015 everything swapped before it was like you could bounce off videos like in an organic way so if you did something colorful or with good quality people could discover you kind of organically and when uh, Google bought YouTube and they started to, to really focus in on getting you to interact and, it, and that's when Facebook did it and that's when Instagram did it and they all follow a tweet and I think Twitter has become eventually the worst for it. They will show you things to provoke you into interacting. So you will see the most shocking headlines. I mean, every time I logged into Twitter and I don't use it anymore, now it's called X. Um, it would show me the most provocative Posey Parker titles, it would show me. And I would just think, this is really upsetting me. Every single time I log in, I want to connect with my friends. I want to see things that I subscribe to. And on the basis that I like certain charity posts or I like certain things my friends have posted in in protest to the government, I've been shown provocative things about the trans community. And I don't post anything about the trans community deliberately to avoid it because it upsets me so much. Mm-hmm. So it's like this, it, they all are, they've made it so that you are constantly in this fight or flight mindset and it i think it's terrible and i i really wish that we had more control over that and there was some more um Autonomy about the adverts. You could. I wish you could completely opt out of the data collection and the adverts across all social media, and just experience it chronologically and yeah. seeing what your friends are doing because you've chosen to see them, or you're subscribed to that favourite fan site of that book because you love that book. Because it just is. It's so. It's so formulaic. It's so like we're going to show you this to make you buy it, and then we're going to find out all the other things you buy. And it's like actually no, you can't assume that, and you're never going to get that. I like crazy sci-fi stuff but also i like to watch cute little baby animals sometimes and like oh, yeah. they just don't get it it's, it's too silly anyway i'm uh, ranting it, today i'm so sorry <laughs> it, but it's it's an
0: interesting challenge isn't it because if you think if you think around the for, for our community mm. it's it's a source of real risk social media and being online but it's also the source of great joy as well because it's where you find other people and you're in our in our sort of in our tribe almost it's fine where you find expertise resources help You know, the the ability to interact with people, to meet people, to talk to people online, you know, without fear or favour. The the idea of being your own self and the idea of playing with AI to generate images and thoughts and looks and and plot out who you're going to be. It's that that thing where I wonder, it's almost like in, in my day, you know, your teenager's... Quite, lasted quite a long time and now being a bit older and you know in that sort of process it's like reliving your teenage years but on steroids almost because you can go back and do all the things we did when we we're 17 but it's all online now so it's yeah. it's like a poison chalice but it's still a chalice
1: it is i'm still trying to like reconcile with whether i like it or not at the moment i've, I've kind of been a bit jaded by it all and i, I think especially because i when like all my community and it was so funny because we did this perfect um this collaboration channel called perfect androgyny which was my platform that I created after I got successful myself online I wanted to share my platform with all different other people that were in the trans community and we did it and it was amazing there were other channels at this time that were similar and it was 10 years ago yesterday that we posted these cool like videos and I was reminiscing about it and I remember like the difference between then and now so profoundly because that was a community we were looking after each other we were supporting each other's brands and platforms and we weren't the username we were people that met on the internet and became um, friends and we, we we were in different countries and we couldn't afford to travel to each other and we couldn't afford to get surgery because we were just poor kids from regular backgrounds and we were supporting each other we were exchanging information about gender dysphoria and that's what most of my early videos was about it was about making people that couldn't access surgery feel comfortable in their own body because i couldn't access it at the time and when when i started to think about it now and it's like that we there was a slight monetization to all the old stuff but now there's there's a currency applied to it and it's not just like a physical currency like you can get paid from the adverts and get paid from endorsements there's a digital currency and yeah. it's become like you are now the most important thing in the world because you have a hundred million people following you but every single time I've met these people and I've been to all the conventions and met all these characters in person they are not secure, they don't think of themselves as important, and it's substituted their self-esteem, and it's been like, I don't know if the fact that young people have been born thinking that they are purely this, that they have a facade that's almost like an avatar of themselves online, Mm -hmm. and all they want to do is gain some sort of trajectory online they understand how the formula works now because they've been doing it since they were a kid and they are mistaking that avatar for their actual real self i think there's been a bit of a dissonance here with young kids and when i've been looking at things that like reddit i was horrified because again reddit wasn't something that i was particularly fond of after i found a very horrible thread about me (laughs) you want them once upon a time I never look back into it and I saw in the trans like threads they were saying oh can you rate me on passability from one to ten yeah and I was thinking this is outrageous I, I would be so furious with like the the platform for allowing them to do that because that is not valuable information that is so cruel to your own self to, to ask people to validate you to think yeah. that there is something to gain this. it's so un- unnecessary or everyone is completely unique whether you pass or not it's like what is the content of your character and what do you bring to the table what's your identity what do you like what inspires you like the fact that it's it's become like this sort of system where it is like all like algorithmic where everything's numbered and it's like you're a 10 because you look completely like your um, preferred gender identity it's like this is just ridiculous who the hell cares it's not real life
0: and i think that's really important isn't it because in the real world you might ask someone hey what do you think of this does this does this work with that but but the idea of just putting yourself out there and saying hey what do you think of me is it it, a it's 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 a sort of gateway to narcissism if you're not careful but yes and it's it's (laughs) But it makes you extremely vulnerable and it reinforces this need for external feedback and validation. Because what the what a lot yeah. of people want here is, hey, I'm a 10, I'm a 10, I'm a 10. So then there's sort of you can you can almost sense the preening going on behind it. And you just think to yourself, this is a very, very vulnerable and fragile person. Because actually, as you say, getting feedback is a, an ordered process and you need to you need to have it when you want it because you're very vulnerable to the person who comes back and says you know, you're an X Y Z in a frock, or whatever it might be. You know, <laughs> because mm. if the approbation matters, then the then the the sort of the horrible stuff matters as well, rather than just yeah. seeing it as a bunch of people who, most of the time, they're commenting on your profile because actually it's something to do with what they about for themselves. It's it's very oh, yeah. it's very rarely generous on social media. Discovered.
1: And it's so easy to understand what someone's insecure about in themselves by what they're frequently talking about as well. It's it's, it's yeah. very revealing. And, but that's it's always been like that. I remember back in the day when there was Facebook groups and the trans community were um, doing the same thing within these Facebook groups. Because anyone that's gone through experiences where you're told you're wrong, you repeat that action against people that you find familiar. It's like when you go to gay clubs and you see these kids that were bullied for being gay, and then they get to the gay clubs and they start this hierarchical thing where they all like that like all the people start resembling each other and they start competing because they've they've been brought up with that sort of behaviour in school and it's like they're then reenacting it on other people without realising it. It's yes. like it's 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 silly, but it, I, that's one benefit of social media is that I love learning about people and I've I've got this very interesting insight into what people are about now from their social media and I can see the cause behind what they're doing, which I think is just, just because I've been on it for so long and I was it was my generation where we kind of like saw all the changes happen. And mm. I think that's the thing that a lot of people haven't seen since 2015. And that, that to me, it was a pivotal, pivotal change in 2015. Everything went totally wrong. It was perfect until then. Well, not perfect, There was things to improve on. But it just became so much more calculated and inauthentic um and i would describe it as like low energy because it was like the most provocative the most sensationalistic things that you could create the more attention you could get from it and then it became this currency so it it grew valuable to be like that and it's, it's just scary to me because I think there's so much more that we need to see. Like there's so many um, resources online that people can access that it's especially like with Beyond Reflections and things like when you get access to information about support through transition. And that's the stuff that should be the most seen, like the most, um, search for and it's it's not it's yeah. not getting out there in the right way. Like that's the whole reason why I built my website journal. Because initially, when I was in the lockdown, I wanted to go back to my hometown because they were actually starting to build houses where I used to go with my nan. And there was like a cornfield we used to go get strawberries from, and it would be like a learnt all wildflower names. And I thought, oh, my God, if I don't get a record of all this stuff before it goes, I'm never going to be able to show my nieces or my kids in the future. So I started to just document all things that made me smile and I was using my iPhone so it was inexpensive and eventually I just built this whole this network of images and I thought my god I've got to do something with this and I was cooking a lot at home and I thought let's photograph all this stuff and it built into this website that was about sort of making me reconnected with things that were high frequency that were things that were just different and trying to get people to work with me on this website that they were like oh you can't do this and I went Like, so many management meetings said to me, if you do anything that's going to be outside of beauty, you're going to find it incredibly hard to get partnerships because there aren't any LGBT people in this space. Travel companies don't want to work with LGBT people because there's no budget to send you to countries that aren't LGBT favorable and all this stuff was going on and I was like no this is ridiculous if you're saying to me that I can't take pictures of flowers because I'm I'm a trans person then you're ridiculous. If you're saying I can't partner with people after I've done this for 15 years then you're ridiculous. I can do all of that. Just let me show you what to do. But it it was it was more of a struggle than I realized. Because this is sort of like my I guess my superpower. I don't take no for an answer if I've got an idea in my head. Mm. But it was like doing a project like that for me was meant to like show people that you could do something completely out of the zone something that makes you individually smile that's more original to you and i was shocked because i thought oh my god people were going to be really excited about it and it took a long while to get going and like it was just bizarre but i think we should do a mix of all of that stuff like use the internet for things that are creative use the internet for things that are yes. recalibrating and and just try and um, I don't know mix things up and i i love that project it's my favorite thing and i i was so annoyed as well because i used to remember all the all the gleam i call them the gleam kids they're not kids they're um, influencers that were with the agency gleam like zoella and they were allowed to do beauty tutorials go viral and then do cookbooks and i was like why isn't why aren't i allowed to do that <laughs> yes yeah why <laughs> so there you go so and what's interesting of course um uh- If
0: if anyone heard a little leak of music there coming in, it was actually, I was looking at at your site and looking at your journal and listening and and I I inevitably clicked on some music. But it's always worth looking at josephharwood.com because it shows what you can do to express yourself in a different sort of way. Because I think there's a lot of people who think that actually... That social media is where it's all at. But um, Jen, who's my colleague in cram on here, often talks about the fact that she used to do a lot of blogging. and I found that very expressive mm. and very useful. And the sites like Capsule and places like that, which are collation sites or um, yes. curation sites. And it's, it's about your life and where you've come from and where you're going. And especially for trans people, it's so important to be able to find those inspirational people because actually, you know, it's that, it's that sort of online mentoring idea that it's lovely to see someone's journey in front of you, and not just a thousand pictures of your, of yourself, but, you know, what are you interested in? Where are you going? Because I think you'd agree with this, that trans is often the least important thing about yourself, but it's the thing that everyone just seems obsessed with. Yes. And, um, and it's about how do you develop a life? You know, and and cope with your gender identity and make it work for yourself rather than just seeing it as an end in itself. And and often it is an obsession because it has to be, but it it needs to fit into your overall life, doesn't it? Well, I think anyway.
1: Yeah, like with with me, like I I would never ever do anything to do with my identity as any part of my work because it's it is secondary to what I could bring I bring to the table. It's it's a small part of me. But when I, this is the balance that you've got to have, you've got to be able to be found. And if you aren't able to be found, then you're not going to book work. So you've got to have some sort of element that ties you into the moment that's going on. And, and sometimes you've got to visibly reflect back what's happening in that moment. So with my work, like what I wanted to do with my website, because people used to say, oh, we know you as a makeup artist. And I'd and be like, yeah, I, lo- I love makeup, but it's a tool kit within what I do it's like the smallest output of what I do what I do is I character create and when I was like a child I used to have books and books and books of sketches and when I used to get those glittery gel pens and um, smell pens they were so cool I used to go to Smith's and collect all the colours and things but I used to draw like characters that were kind of like inspired by Xena the warrior princess or like all these like sci-fi things and it was all about creation of character and then when i found i found video games where i could finally see and play as an androgynous person because all these japanese games they were androgynous characters it like confounded to me what i wanted to do and I, i always go back to the video game final fantasy because you're playing as this sort of androgynous um eco warrior that's so me it's like me in my head that's that's who i am and it's like i love coming up with characters but people didn't get that they thought that my ambition was to become famous through social media makeup art and it was like that's absolutely the opposite of wanting to do I don't even want to be recognized and they used to always tell me off because I do I do a different like hair in every video and there was no consistency so people couldn't attach to the image and when I did this mermaid visual it absolutely blew up like the mermaid visuals were so they I sold thousands of t-shirts with that silly mermaid image on and I just thought it was like one of many ideas and everyone was so angry when I started to play with a masculine look and I got this negative feedback and I'd just be like, this is all components of my my imagination. None of this is real. Don't think any of this is real. All of this is just my imagination and what I'm doing. And in the last year, it's been really exciting because I got to work with things like Dell and I'm currently working with um, their Alienware brand. And I said, well, can I do something that's actually about character design? So I started to digitally do makeup for them over London Fashion Week. And instead of actually doing makeup on a person, I did makeup on a, on a cartoon that I kind of created and started to actually develop them in meta. So they were they were like a virtual makeup look. And I was like, that's more me. Like all of the other stuff I don't really care about I don't want to just be known for doing pretty makeup I want to be known to doing art on the human face and mm. there's so many projects that I've, I've been wanting to do for so long that has been involved in things like prosthetics like originally when I was working with L'Oreal and something called the brush contest um, I did this design and we were meant to be doing this in three stages this competition the first stage was in London and the second and third was in Paris. They basically mucked up the whole competition so it never came to fruition, but I wanted to see this prosthetic that would reveal me as if I could not access my imagination. Like, What would happen if I'd grown old and I couldn't be myself? And I wanted to create this thing, this character of me that was kind of like um, melancholic and, and sad, but as a prosthetic, and then see the joy of me actually being able to be myself. It's kind of like a symbol of saying like, look, we only have one opportunity to live as we are today let's do it to the best of our ability. And there's like lots of stuff like that. I just, it's all symbolism and it's all like paying homage. A lot of the stuff that I do is, you can see directly, it's like a very deliberate um, recreation of one of my idols. It's like things like um, Peter Tato um, I did for Urban Decay that it was because he was a queer artist that I absolutely adored. And I always wanted to recreate his visuals. And I did it with um, cutting out pieces of paper and re-photographing things and things. It wasn't just like a, a photo shoot. And people didn't get that until I explained it. Then I did things like the um, Shiseido asked me to do a campaign with them. And I said, well, if I can do Serge Laton's, which is one of their original creative directors who years and years and years before anyone was talking about it was saying he was too spirited and um to find an image of beauty and 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 what we see as beauty campaigns he was really the goat He was amazing mm-hmm. so all of the things that i do is it's all referential and i did all like the celebrity transformations where i would transform into other people and i started this in 2008 so this is before i even had my beauty youtube i was doing it for my actual um art foundation diploma mm-hmm. so it was like something i was doing like before as a project off the internet and it was all about like trying to show people you could really change you could really change who you want to do that I day mean, like a, just, if you wanted to just to Sorry, <laughs> i
0: was i was just uh, just to leap in actually if you go onto your website what's fascinating is a section called art and um yep. and it talks about this paying tribute to tutorials and and it's Uh, what i love about your site is has this high art high concept but also it shows all these wonderful really useful sort of basic material you know uh, makeup tutorials and what's fascinating about the fact that you're doing them is you're a name we can trust so rather than just going to some rando on youtube you know there's some really really strong advice on here but i cannot believe that you are i'm looking at your picture as michael jackson then kylie then Mm. um angela jolie and uh, at you know they, these are people that look totally different and you are you, you're completely different in each of these these things and it's all through makeup i'm guessing is it
1: yes it was all through Stardew. makeup and originally when i started doing the i started them off by doing the um, ones at the very bottom the select their supermodels and mm-hmm. i had red hair so at the time I could not afford wigs I couldn't afford all the the magical makeup you can buy now so I used my hair as a green screen so I film the the with my natural red hair and then I'd change the hair in the video and say so, like oh, I oh. click my fingers and make it like change it from red to orange or red to brown so I could fake the look sense. as if I was doing wigs so yeah. I used to do like funny tricks like that years ago but um no it was amazing and I cannot believe how big this like thing had become because when I started there wasn't anyone doing celebrity transformations there were people doing inspired makeup looks like when they wanted to do David Bowie's Aladdin Zane makeup or whatever they wouldn't transform into the person and I was like no I can do this because I think we mentioned this in my last um chat with you but i learned how to do this all from the sims it was the sims video games because you could create i thought because the character models like the actual 3d figurine within the sims it's very simple but the skins that they wrap around like the texture of the face the clothes they are all shaded so when they when you go into the files of the actual computer game and you open them up as a jpeg they're like a flat image with contour and I was like oh my god I, I know how to do this now it, it just it, it clicked in my brain I get it I know how to transform my face and it was always um it was like um once I knew it I wanted to share it with everyone else but it's like when I live my life literally I can experience exactly the reaction I want from someone by how I change my image it's and that was amazing. Once I realised I could do that, that was like, oh my god, this is this is going to be fun no. now. Because if I do a masculine look, I can get a completely different reaction to if I do a feminine look, and it's it's fascinating to experience life like that. But also to not have to go through something that's permanent. Everything can be washed off, so none of it's real. It just gives. It, I just love it. I, it's, that's the favourite thing about my job. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. No, it is. It is that thing about. Um, With practice and and um, and in a funny sort of way, it goes back to what we're talking about earlier because it's actually how you can be become a different person in real life rather than online, which is all fantasy. This is these are techniques you can use to. And I like what you talk about on your site, which is that sometimes the detail of how we look is really important because not getting some of the details right can be a cause you can get an extreme reaction. So. I, I can see how you've used art to sort of practice all these different looks. So I'm guessing that actually, if you used to want to go out normally <laughs> down, down to Sainsbury's or something, you're not going to be going down as Kylie, but you need to be able to have that expertise just to be able to minimally apply something that just gets you to get you comfortable in a such a way that you have the confidence to go out and be who you are.
1: Absolutely. Well, today I'm going to go see my um, two beautiful nieces and my sister after um, our chat. And I I wouldn't wear a scrap of makeup and I just wear glasses and just... The most boring clothes I owned but when I was younger and I was going to college I would go out with like absolutely mm. absurd diamonds stuck from my eyebrows to my cheekbones I, d- I just was just a crazy kid I-, I used to make all my clothes I used to sew them all and I'd have like feather epaulettes on like military jackets that I'd make myself <laughs> and the big giant spiky shoulders and I I look back at videos and I think, my God, what an absolute lunatic I was as a kid. Because I I just, I think like as well, like it was, I noticed when you did like more of an extreme image in the day, people pretend like you don't exist. Like you become, even though they're no issue, they're so awkward about you standing out that dramatically that they pretend you don't actually exist. And I used to think like, this is so weird because before, if I looked androgynous, people would, it would attract both negative and positive attention. But if I looked more extreme, it would be like, and maybe it's that that sort of built-in human thing where, like, we used to live in the woods and the jungles, and the most colourful creatures were the most venomous. I don't know what it is, but yeah,
0: it was. You know, that's would... that's that's a really interesting comment. You know, i never thought about that before, but I remember telling someone telling me that they went out and were deliberately they they didn't do this thing where they tried to blend in and pass and disappear, and then because they were easily spotted, but they did exactly as you said. They went out and stood out. And, yeah. And people, there was a obviously you can get vitriol from anyone, but um, people tend to be more complimentary.
1: Yeah, yeah, because they would out if you were making it. an effort almost, you know. They yeah, they couldn't understand what to do with with yeah. your image. I think nowadays it's a bit different because we've got things like drag race on mention TV yes. and people see that they've got more of a visual understanding of what you're about but yeah back in the day it was so difficult and I think like when it was coming to like the resources online to because all I wanted to do was help people with their gender dysphoria and there was a phenomena um called the world that it, I don't know how to describe it there was a lady that was she would do videos of herself in one of those latex masks and that was like the first transformation thing on youtube when youtube properly started because she's duly masking and we used to see this with fascination because we were like oh my god if they got surgery like amanda laporte or is it actually a mask and i didn't know at the time because i was about 14 about the fetish side of all the latex stuff but it was like that was the first content we found online and then there was a couple of drag queens there was one called blanche babcock there was one called misty eyes who's now come through a transition they did basic sort of like southern florida drag makeup so it was all like um garage door eyes which is when you have like a block color above your eyes and there was no resources there was um a couple of androgynous people and there was a genius makeup artist called Peter Lude, who was a drag also a drag queen called misty maven from new york so there, there were resources that you kind of delve into but none of them took it to the extreme of physically changing their gender identity. It was always like they wanted to do it as a typical drag look. So I, I knew how to do it. And I was always trying to like teach my friends how to do it. And we've got funny videos of me um, at 16 doing my friend's makeup in Starbucks and teaching about contouring. and. It was like, when I put it online, I knew that there was always gonna be a sensational side of anything to do with trans because there wasn't enough content to show humanity. There was just enough content that people were either searching for it as a fetish or they were searching for it as like a shock thing. Like the, uh, when Omegle started and everyone would go on Omegle and, and it would be like someone pretending to be a girl with a high pitched voice and they'd scare them by changing their voice tone because they would think it was a girl and then they find out it was a boy or whatever. So there was all this controversial stuff around this this idea. So I said, if I just break it down in a very simplistic way, so on the outside, they think it's that, but once they get into the video, they understand that I'm talking about facial anatomy and talking about how the, the secondary sexual characteristics change through puberty. So there's things that are traditionally different between male and female faces it's not the same across the board and depending on your ethnic background it changes but there are some general rules and once i started to explain that to people they went oh my god and i i just did an interview last week and um this lovely 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 girl she was like when you did the hair drawn eyebrows because i used to draw my eyebrows on like hair by hair it was like none of this stuff was online there was no breakdowns there was no explanation and I've always wanted it to be like so easy to understand because again to me it's like we have these tech tools and then we've got all these amazing resources we can take them to our advantage so I always just say use your webcam next to your mirror because the webcam can show you what you look like to other people and the mirror can look like a reflection so you can compare and contrast and get symmetry correct then look at the gaps in between the features because it's not always the features like back in the day they used to say like contour your nose down to a point because it will make you look more feminine well it actually doesn't do that it makes your nose look smaller what makes you look feminine is the gaps between the features so cheating those gaps slightly and making them a little bit smaller can change the overall um, balance of your facial proportions things like the fat pads of the face are different so if you have more of a rosier um, effect to the shape of your face Mm. that can be more feminine so there's there's so many things that I think no one had a clue about and I, there were things that you just learn while doing it isn't it so it's like I have all those resources out there now which is so good and around 2017 I worked with a brand called Jekka and we wanted to sort of like simplify all this down into a product so we created some brands and um, brand identity products one which was a beard coverage um, concealer. So it was a color correction tool because just like we use purple shampoos to tone yellow hair, we can use things like orange and salmon tones to counteract the blue that shows through with a beard or you can use it as an under eye circle concealer. So these were things that were like sort of multi-purpose things. Um, And then we started to think about the contouring side of things and how to create um, shading that doesn't look orange so I was like, let's let's show you what I do. I mix up gray and green, and because green is the um, opposite color to red, which is the blood, mm. you can make it look like a shadow instead of like a piece of like a, an orange line on your face. It makes you look less like you've got a drawing. It looks more like you're in the darkness, like you're creating a hollow. Well, so it was just using all these like different tactics and different techniques and simplifying them down. And then this year we've, we basically created a, a Mac, edit and my collection with Mac which kind of took all the original techniques I did and again making use of the product so yeah well, I'll tell it, you what really Jojo
0: <laughs> I, I think um what would be great is um perhaps next time we chat let's yes. just do all of that stuff let's just talk about some of those things because just about everything you're telling me is brand new to me and uh oh. you know, per- per- personally I'm very very interested but secondly I-, I know our audience will be so um let's hook up in a couple of months and Talk makeup,
1: yes, and I'm so sorry we were rant. I was ranting so much today. I've been Ooh, in one of those moods, you know, when you've had like a, a very annoying week and you want to get it out of your system, but also chat about the world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, make sure you have a look at the site Joseph Harwood, and I'll be having a look at that as well. So, there's really lots of interesting stuff, and the journal's fascinating as well. So, thank you. Look, look after yourself and hopefully all the stuff with your phone gets sorted out
1: yes we're bad to normal today i just need to get my icloud set up so it's got all my photos but oh god what a fear so everyone listening back up your backups <laughs> you take care <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Transvox. It's been a joy to have you with us. Um, if you want to um, make contact with us, you can contact us at, Jillian at transvox.co.uk. And if you'd like to support the work we do, please go to Patreon and go to page Transvox. And all of our money goes to our nominated charity. And Jen, you've chosen the charity for the next number of episodes. Which one have you chosen? Our charity is called Beyond Reflections which is a charity that provides support and counselling to trans people, non-binary people and their friends and their families across the UK. An amazing charity doing some amazing work, really important, so please if you can give. Great and if you want to go and have a look at Beyond Reflections it's beyond-reflections.org.uk and uh, but as I say if you'd like to make a contribution to what we're doing because we love to help the people who help us. Uh, Again, if you've got ideas for um, the show, things you'd like to ask us, questions, comments, applause, or um, brickbats, feel free to send it all in to Jillian at transvox.co.uk. Until the next time, goodbye. (music) Bye-bye.